Monday Night Travel. Those enviable people who spend their time travelling around the world love to justify their idle behaviour by uh, trotting out the old cliché that travel broadens the mind. But while lying on a beach is an exotic uh, tropical location, maybe relaxing, it's hardly mind-expanding. If you really wanted to broaden your mind, you'd probably go on a study tour. And in June of this year, a tour of medieval Britain will give students of history to uh, a chance to truly expand their knowledge while visiting the great Viking, Celtic and Anglo-Saxon sites. Uh, joining me tonight on Monday Night Travel is the tour leader of the Strictly Medieval Visit, uh, Dr Carol Cusack from the University of Sydney. Carol, good evening to you. Evening, Tony. It's nice to be here. Good to see you. Uh, first up, uh, how well preserved are Britain's medieval sites? I've seen a few of them myself and uh, most of them are in pretty good nick. They are actually. They're amazingly good nick. England's very, um, well, Britain, the whole lot, is very conscientious about preserving their monuments, mm. so there's a lot of activity, a lot of money spent, National Trust, tourist donations, etc., spent keeping the monuments up. But also they're very fortunate in that uh, damage, say, from the Second World War was quite minimal, mm -hmm. and while there are a number of picturesque ruined medieval churches in London, most of their major monuments survived, unlike thinking about just about any great continental city. Mm. Carol, what are some of the sites you'll be visiting? Um, well, a great number of sites. Okay. Yeah, um, that's okay. A couple of cathedrals, mm -hmm. Lichfield, York and Chester, specifically. Yes. All have strong historic links? Yes, all do. And interestingly, I tried to pick sites that were conjuring different kinds of connotations or interests. So, for example, York Minster is a very famous cathedral. It is a very fine example. Uh, it's well known. It's, in a, it's centrally located. Litchfield and Chester are a little bit off the beaten track, quite different in red sandstone, a friable, fragile material that is wears Chester badly. Is Chester a walled city? Yes, it is. Beautiful walled yeah. city, in fact. Um, one of the few sets of totally complete city walls yeah, I've been in there. And it's gorgeous. Yes, it really is. it is. Uh, often when you see some of these great cathedrals, you wonder how it was possible for them to construct them in that era, you know, without the uh, the uh, assist of the mechanical cranes, etc. It must have been a hell of a job. Well, the interesting thing is that technologically the Middle Ages wasn't as backward as you might think, and there are mm -hmm. some great books, you know, really interesting books that cover that. Jean Jampel's book, The Medieval Machine, and a very new book that just came out last year called Cathedral Forge and Water Wheel, which talks about the technology they had. Medieval people did have cranes, actually, not mechanical, you're right, mm. but they were able to do, you know, very complex things. The thing that always I think of when I look at the cathedrals is how much they cost. Yes. And of course then you look at the anecdotal evidence, the prostitutes guild subscribing to help build the cathedral, you know, it's very cute. <laughs> exactly. What, what should someone going on the tour expect? I mean, do you really immerse yourself in the era? I do. Um, I was amused by your intro, you know, yes, travel is great fun. We mm. all know that. I love it. But I am in the business of education, not really in the business of travel. Yes. And I learned to travel myself as a postgraduate looking for information for my own research and mm. so when I look around the uh, sites that we're going to they are selected so that people will broaden and deepen their knowledge of British history and so we've selected a good range of sites starting with the prehistoric um, skating over those areas that aren't medieval and concentrating on the medieval period from the, the high medieval period from say 1000 to 1500 and we do get immersed um, I've taken two of these tours before and 
the situation is that when we're on the bus and driving from place to place, people ask questions, we have little mini-lectures if people show an indication. Those people who want to ask private questions come and sit next to me and ask me what's what's going on. I carry around folders of books to recommend and mm. we spend a lot of time poking around little second-hand bookshops. Well, no doubt you'll be visiting the the wonderful British Museum. <gasps> uh, you could almost spend the full 25 days of the tour if uh, if you could there because, I mean, it really is fascinating. I'd be happy to live there if they'd give me a little room. <laughs> I'm sure they'd consider it. But uh, obviously you can't afford that length of time. What would you concentrate on? Well, that's a problem. You know, a lot of people look at it that way and these tours, I suppose, are for people often busy people who are not able to take the six months off that, you know, well, my friends all did when we were students. Just, mm. oh, well, bye-bye, Australia. Let's go overseas and see how it goes. The tours are concentrated and they bring out highlights. So when we're in London, London's an immense city, you could see millions of things. We see the Tower of London, the British Museum and Westminster Abbey. Mm. Now, maybe you could pick out three other equally interesting sites. You could. Mm. But those three are almost a microcosm of British history just to start with. The tower, because it runs from the conquest to the modern era, it has tradition, it's really interesting. It's a museum in itself. The British Museum, because it has some of the most wonderful archaeological and historical artefacts of the world, not just Britain. And, of course, Westminster Abbey, because it has the royal tombs and it has this connotation strongly with royalty, with history. It's sometimes rather strange when you uh, visit a place that you've heard lots about and all of a sudden arrive there and your expectations sometimes are quite shattered. For example, I remember the first time I went to the Louvre and saw Mona Lisa. Yes. And it is a very small painting and very dark painting and it's it's uh, it's quite beautiful but it's nothing as you imagine. You know? A novelist I admire has this concept called the category of disappointing things and I think that that's certainly true. Um, that is more true though for the Mona Lisa kind of story than for what I'm hoping to mm. expose people to because something like the British Museum collection, if you couldn't find one thing in there that you were utterly knocked out by, you probably don't deserve to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Cruel, hard, the, but callous. The category of wonder and of, of being able to be really carried away by things is still yeah. there. Carol, I guess most visitors to Britain uh, take a look at Buckingham Palace. Uh, what royal sites in the medieval period would you be visiting on your Well, trip? of course, the tower itself, very yeah. significant royal site. People tend to think of it as a grim prison, the place where Richard III's helpless little nephews, the princes in the tower, vanished from, etc. But it was a royal residence from mm -hmm. the the reign of William the Conqueror right through to the Tudor era. We also are going to see in um, uh, later on in the tour Burley House which was the home of William Cecil who was uh, Elizabeth I's Chancellor and it was built specifically to entertain her. She was the great queen who went around England sleeping everywhere and moving on when the rushes began to stink. You may know that. <laughs> What's um, that all about? It's about spreading fresh rushes on the floors of the Tudor houses. You know, they didn't actually have floor coverings and used mm -hmm. to shred straw. And they perhaps had um, a month's lifetime before the store began to, to go dank and rotten. Yes. And Elizabeth used to pack up and leave when it was time to put down fresh rushes. A nice timing mechanism. The last couple of years has seen a number of scandals obviously come out of uh, the palace, Buckingham Palace. Were the royals of the medieval period any less controversial? No. Well, I, I've been 
famed, I think, for expressing the view that all that happens nowadays is that everybody gets all huffy about it and the mm. moral majority types start screaming. In the Middle Ages, a king was supposed to be glamorous and well-dressed and spend a fortune on his wardrobe and to have large numbers of elegant mistresses so that when foreign notables came and visited, they could write back to home that the king has the most elegant mistress of this particular kind and that particular kind. And, I mean, we've heard stories of extravagances on clothes. Well, Joan of Kent in the 14th century spent £200 on buttons for a frock. Now, £200 in the 14th century, that's a lot of money. A lot of money. And there was also, of course, murder and mayhem and politics. And, of course, nowadays, the royal family can't really be involved in that because they're so much more removed from the political sphere, really, much more um, a figurehead arrangement. Might bring the House of Windsor into a new context for us. <laughs> will, will the tour only concentrate on the medieval sites? Because uh, I guess if you if you broadened it any further, you'd have to take six months, as you say. Well, this is the whole point. And the other thing is that you can saturate people. And mm. that's one thing that's very important in structuring tours like this. You want people to be continually interested and stimulated, but not exhausted by what you lay on mm. them. And there is such a massive number of sites, a site everywhere. Not another you could, bloody cathedral. <laughs> oh, you know, not just that. You know, standing stones by the rail, roadside, stone circles in fields, beautiful, beautiful 15th and 16th century barns. That, you know, you know that don't even have fences. They just sit there, and people go, oh. Mm. And it's it's very different when you come from a country like Australia, where you don't have quite that obvious plethora of history around you. Yes. I have concentrated on medieval sites in the selection. No, I've not totally ignored other eras. There's one or two prehistoric sites. Um, Avebury on the Wiltshire Plain, wonderful stone circle. One or two Roman sites, Corbridge on Hadrian's Wall and the Chedworth Villa, which is over in Sirencester. Just where it would be really foolish to pass up. Sure. on a good site. Is the trip just for students or literally anyone who has an interest in that medieval period of history? And it was very rich, wasn't it? Mm. Well, I think that um, from my previous experience, most of the people who come along are enthusiasts of some sort. And I think that's a brilliant thing because often we have such a pooling of knowledge in the tours that other people contribute and give their own opinions and, and talking. And we have people from whose interests are genealogy, heraldry, um, the Embroiderers Guild, uh, all sorts of things. People whose specific interests are religious or architectural. And we all sort of put things together. But in general, no, they're not students generally. People are just interested amateurs, the kind of people who, who are fascinated by the topic and perhaps haven't the time to spend a leisurely six months looking through the sites of Britain. Carol, obviously you'd take in quite a few of the sites of the Norman Conquest. Now, uh, maybe you could explain to us exactly what influence these events had on modern Britain today. Well, that's a difficult question, but yes, we are. We're going to the Tower, of course, mm -hmm. which was built by William the Conqueror. We're going to the site of the Battle of Hastings, which was the decider, you know. Mm. The Norman Conquest, what did it do? Well, it brought... English to the past that it is at now, a language that is no longer purely Germanic but has an enormous romance word stock. Um, it brought feudalism to England, uh, um, social and property uh, financial arrangements which were quite alien to the way England had been in the early 11th century. Mm -hmm. It tied England much more closely to the papacy. A lot of people don't realise, but William the Conqueror, before he invaded England, had gained the permission 
of the Pope so that he wouldn't be seen, for example, as a Christian ruler invading and subjugating another Christian ruler. Mm. He, he had permission. The Pope said, go for it, son. You want England? You can so have it. It took Henry VIII to become defender of the faith, though. Well, indeed, Henry VIII and defending the faith is quite amusing when you consider where he finally went in terms of the papacy. But the consequences of the Norman Conquest are as I used to always be told, never to write in essays, many and varied. <laughs> <laughs> what will it be like travelling Britain with a, with a busload of medieval enthusiasts? Uh, I guess they're going to be challenging your version of the event sometimes because some of the history, um, particularly historical figures like um, Robin of Loxley, no. um, uh, um, tend to have a bit historical of Historical figures, about it. you say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, certainly. People do have very strong opinions and there are figures in history that excite great passion in people. The one who's most obvious is Richard III. You know, there are people out there who'd be willing to lay their head on the block he never killed the nephews. Well, there is a Richard III society. Indeed. Founded yeah. in 1924 with the Duke of Gloucester as its patron. You know, very Are they thriving. winning the war? I think they are. It's the propaganda <laughs> war, definitely. So, yes, I, I'm open to being challenged. I'm not, a, not a, a, a god or even a demigod. I just have opinions. They're quite well supported, generally. Carol, what were the main achievements of the medieval period? What, what can we look back to as major advances in that period? Well, it's an interesting question. A lot of people seem to think of the medieval period as being rather dark, as being rather without culture. And certainly in the 18th century, even the most beautiful medieval architecture, York Minster, for example, was considered to be ugly. There's a passage in um, Tobias Smollett's novel, Humphrey Clinker, in which the main character, one of the main characters, Matthew Bramble, writes a letter home, and he talks about what a barbarous and Saracenical pile it is, you know, and how all its little mm. pinnacles are ugly because they liked classical forms by that stage. But the Middle Ages was a time, a very adventurous time in many ways, um, philosophically, theologically. We think of the Reformation as being a dividing point, but virtually all of the ideas that Luther made popular in 1515 were already there for two centuries before percolating through the mix. People uh, travelled, people traded, mm -hmm. there was the contact with the Islamic world. I guess the image of feudalism probably dampens the whole thing down it a bit. It does. Yeah. Too many people in primary school were taught the crop rotation system and uh, and and you know how people had to render feudal service to the king it was all very boring. Even I thought medieval history was boring when I was in third form, and now I think it's the most interesting thing in the world. A chance for you to enjoy the most interesting thing in the world, according to Dr. Carol Cusack. Uh, there'll be a tour going in June. Now, very few places remain, and so if you would like to uh, contact Dr. Cusack. Uh, to, if you would be interested in getting some details about uh, about the trip that's uh, about six months away, but uh, places are filling up very quickly. So uh, I will give you her number at the university and you can contact her uh, on 02 351 6837. So if you'd like to get details on this, uh, ring direct uh, 02 351 6837. Dr. Cusack, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Tony. See you soon. Bye. Dr. Carol Cusack, uh, the tour is called Strictly Medieval. and.